0: Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. We're about to start a new uh, series that I'll, I'll be preaching through for the next few weeks, and it's a series on the book of Jonah. So, yeah, everyone cheers. I'm not sure why you cheer. Um, uh, when when I mention that. So most of us, just just put your hand if you know uh, the book of Jonah. Uh, yeah, everyone. Um, I was chatting to my um, kind of my my sister's sort of, uh, long-term boyfriend. He, he, he said, oh yeah, Jonah, I know that. I know that story. Um, uh, Chester, my nephew, was four this week, and um, uh, somebody bought him, we didn't, somebody bought him a little sort of like Bible story book. And I was talking to my uh, sort of, that's uh, with my sister's boyfriend, and he said, Oh, yeah, he, he knew some of the stories, Jonah. He said, Oh, there was a story in there that's missed me, I'd never heard of that, and that was Daniel in the Lion's Den. He said, I oh, never, <coughs> never knew that story. Yeah. And uh, it was just interesting talking to him about how people view things like Jonah, that you're a Jonah if you're a bit of a coward or something. Yeah. I, d- I didn't quite know what he meant, but he knew <laughs> what he meant.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> and so. So we're going to be looking at Jonah over the next uh, few weeks and find what we can learn from that story. As I've read and meditated, and what I hope to do at the end of this morning, if we have time, is um, just, just to be able to get into groups to pray again about what might come out of this and what hopefully will come out of this today. As I've read and meditated on the book... Um, there are all sorts of things about Jonah, but probably the biggest thing you think of when you think of Jonah is Jonah and the whale. Would that be rare, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. think about the fish um, and that. And so Jonah is four uh, chapters long, and the fish comes up in three verses. Yeah, but it dominates the story. Yeah, <laughs> the fish comes up in three verses. And as I have read and reread that story, and really meditated on it, and kind of prayed over it and thought about what to speak on it's not the fish that has stood out to me surprisingly, you know. it's not the fish um, it's not even Jonah himself that has stood out, I've, I've, I've not really thought as much about him um, not even the city and the Ninevites and, and what he does there, none of that has stood out what has stood out for me as I have looked at it has been God God has stood out. Now, yeah, that's helpful. (laughs) Something else. God has stood out, and I couldn't get around the fact that this story is here to tell us and show us something about God. Primarily, it's not to tell us about Jonah or a fish; it's to tell us about God. And. uh, I could summarise the story in this way uh, there, that's in the end where John went The Kindness of God but when I read it again and again I came up with this one phrase God is kinder than you think God is kinder than you think and I want you just to pause and, and think about that for a moment what would that mean for me if god was kinder than i imagine he is <coughs> how would i respond if i realized oh i already thought he was great and wonderful but is he kinder than that than i already thought and and how would i respond if you knew somebody was kinder than you thought they were how would you respond to them if you knew that maybe your 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 parent or your boss was was kinder than you realised something came up and you realised oh my goodness I didn't realise they were that kind how would you respond to them I want you to have that in your mind as we walk through Jonah in fact God is so kind that his kindness is part of what causes Jonah to react (coughs) the whole reason that we have the story is because of God's kindness that's why it's there and so, a bit like those films that you you must have watched, films which start, they kind of the first scene is like the end of the film. You watch those. I can't remember one, but you get those kind of Oh, I know one. I know one. Um, what, is it, what is it? No, I don't remember that one. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, no, I do remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> another Jean one. Another Jean one. Jean if Jean you've Jean ever seen it, no, no, you don't <laughs> shut out the man. Don't <laughs> <to> shut <laughs> um, um, uh, the mouth em- The emperor's got. Yeah, the Emperor's got a new group. No, the Emperor's yeah. new group. The Emperor's new group. The Emperor's got a new, new group. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> <Emperor's new> <laughs> 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 <got> <laughs> come on, I need to get to that. Otherwise, I'm gonna, we're going to go over time. <laughs> <laughs> so, but if you'd see the Emperor's new group, the, Emperor's new group. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the film begins at the end. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah? You, you, see the, you see the last scene first. And in some ways, it makes sense to start Jonah there. Yeah? To start Jonah at the end, in order to understand. And, and the bit of the end that we need to start him at is this. In chapter 4, God saves Nineveh at the end of chapter 3. Obviously, he taking it in real time, by chapter 3. <laughs> and then in chapter 4, Jonah is really angry And he says to God This is why This is what I said to you When I was back in my country This is This is what I knew would happen When I was back in my country He says this I knew And he's not saying this positively He's really angry with God I knew That you are a gracious and compassionate God Slow to anger And abounding in love A God who relents from sending calamity. So Jonah begins this story by recognizing the whole reason I ran away was because you're gracious. Because you're kind. That's why I ran away. Because I knew you would do this in the end. I knew it. (laughs) I knew you were abounding in love it's a weird thing for Jonah to say but that is why this story happens because Jonah runs away because of God's kindness and I just want to remind us as I really like to do when we come to a story like this and, and what we do is we, a lot of us we just do lots of mental gymnastics in terms of well, how do I fit with Jonah, oh, no, on, I'm not by like Jonah I I really appreciate the kindness of God yeah so I'm not like Jonah I I just want to say we're more like Jonah than we want to admit yeah we are more like Jonah than we want to admit when we are faced as Jonah was with such kindness such grace we probably we do what he did we probably respond like he did. Running away from the purposes of God is not something that is exclusive to Jonah or other people in the Bible. Yeah? It's not exclusive to them. We ourselves can do the same thing even though we might not buy tickets and get on ships. Yeah? We can still run away from the purposes of God. And yet we live in a world where there must be many Nineveh-like cities. Places where their wickedness comes up to God and God in his mercy and kindness sends somebody to help them. To help them understand. That's what he does. There must be cities like that across the world. Indeed, we might even live in one. God sends a people or a person not simply to judge but to give an opportunity to repent. Now I just need to deal with the, the story of Jonah as we understand it. The fish, the whale, all that kind of stuff. For some people, what you're doing is, is in your head you're going, I've not got past the fish, story. I mean. I've not got past in my head the fact that there's a, you're talking about this whale and Jonah gets swallowed, is that real? What, what do we really think about that, so I'm just going to address it quite briefly, um, because some ways it's quite fantastic isn't it, in terms of, is that real, really Jonah was swallowed, then vomited out, really? Yeah, some of us we can't get past that, let me just give you reasons why we should take the story at face value, rather than think of it as a, some sort of sort of metaphor or philosophical lesson. Everything we believe about God, we believe by faith. Everything we believe. The fact that we believe God created the world, the fact that we believe God fed the 5,000, the fact that we believe God raised Lazarus from the dead, the fact that we believe Jesus is the Son of God, we believe it all by faith. So we believe Jonah by faith. It's not a case of, oh, I can prove this. It's irrelevant. Proving it is irrelevant. I believe it by faith. Yeah? Because if you don't have faith, it's impossible to please God. So we believe everything we do by faith. Secondly, the nature of the God who is revealed in the Bible, you've got to be honest, is clearly capable of that. Yeah? He must be capable of that. The God is really, he's not He's not a little God and suddenly it's a big thing. God is clearly capable of doing what the story of Jonah says he did. And thirdly, the Bible itself attests to the authenticity of Jonah Yeah, we don't just read about Jonah in the book of Jonah, we read about the book of Jonah in a couple of other places firstly, you read about Jonah in the book of two kings where he is, he is a prophet to Israel he's speaking to Israel and there's a king Jeroboam II um, and Jonah prophesies that the land of Israel, the borders of Israel will be extended Under the king, and they are. And it says, um, you know, he was the one, this king, who restored the boundaries of Israel from one place to another place in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai. Yeah? So the Bible speaks of him as a historical prophetic figure. Secondly, Jesus speaks about Jonah. So Jesus, doesn't just, Jesus doesn't deal in, in mythology. When he talks about in parables we know he's talking in parables otherwise he speaks truth, he speaks fact. he speaks history. He says of Jonah when some of the Pharisees say to him we want a sign from you just to prove that you're the son of God. He says to them you wicked and he's a bit angry here. You wicked and adulterous <laughs> generation ask for a sign but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. And what's he talking about? He's talking about the fact that, that Jonah goes into the belly of the fish three days, three nights, um, and that he comes out, he speaks to the men of Nineveh, who will stand up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Why? Because we know Nineveh repent when Jonah speaks to them. That's not a made-up thing. Jesus wasn't just thinking, oh, I just believe this philosophy or mythology about Jonah. He believed the story. So we believe the story by faith, we believe the story because God is capable. We believe the story because he's, he's counted as a historical figure in the Old Testament and we believe it because Jesus believed it. Yeah, So it's not myth. We live in a day where more and more Christians believe myths about the Bible. We don't believe myths. We sang a song, I believe in Jesus. We still believe that. We still believe those things. Okay, so, we can be as sure as with any other scripture that the prophet Jonah existed in fact, it's it's 775 BC, I think, was the time that he is supposed to have been around. That he shows us something about God, and he warns us and helps us with something. Okay, we need to get all that out of the way before we come to our reading, and I've asked Abby to come, and she's just going to read Jonah chapter one and pray for us.
1: against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. When he went down to Joppa where he found a ship and bound for that port, after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Who was responsible for this calamity? They cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who was responsible for making all the trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What shall we do to make the seas calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and then it will be calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent, for you, O Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Father, where can we hide? Where can we go from you? Pray, Lord, that you will steal our hearts today. I ask for your power, the power of your Holy Spirit to reveal to us the mysteries of your word. And I ask, the Lord, that our hearts will be fertile ground, so that as we walk each day, we'll reflect on your word, learn more about you, and become more like you. <coughs> Amen. Amen. God
0: sends Jonah, calls Jonah to Nineveh. And so this first talk, God calls Jonah. And uh, we often talk about the call of God, we think about how does God call us, uh, we all have an idea of what that looks like, how God guides us, I mean, if I were to ask across this room how many of you feel called to Brixton, few of you would put your hands up, yeah, as we really ask, well I'm just here, who knows what the Lord might do, that kind of thing, but To really understand how the call works, we must go back to the scripture. We can't base it on just how we do it. We must go back to how God does it, and how God sees it. So I've already said before that Jonah was a prophet in Israel. He was among his people. He prophesied a a big prophecy that that the boundary lines were going to be extended. Um, I mean, he lived under an evil king, a king who did evil, in the eyes of the Lord but he still prophesied a great prophecy which came to pass so within Israel maybe and I'm speculating a little bit here maybe he was a bit of a minor celebrity his name's in the Bible he's in two kings people know Jonah oh Jonah's the one who prophesied yeah they know him he's he's known among the people and he's a true Israelite if ever there was an Israelite Jonah is one of them Maybe as he's going along, high-fiving all the people, look, his prophecies come to pass, somebody says, Jonah, you're going to go to Nineveh one day. It's like, oh, I go to Nineveh. am even among the people of God. You go to Nineveh for Nineveh was a wicked city. It was, it was known. It was, it was a brutal city. It was a violent city. And maybe that reputation was known in Israel, and the last thing Jonah thought about himself was going to Nineveh reject that, that's not the Lord the Lord has told me to be a prophet to his people so Jonah is there uh, doing his thing with the people Jonah then, maybe somebody said that maybe Jonah wakes in a dream, maybe God says to him, Jonah I want you to go to Nineveh and Jonah again oh, I'm not going to Nineveh. this is not the Lord's doing, because if the Lord were calling me, surely he would call me somewhere that I maybe quite like Surely he would give me a passion for something. Surely he would speak to me in a different kind of way. Lord, I've got too many. You've opened up doors here, Lord. Why would you call me to another place? We don't know what the arguments are gone in his head, but we do know what our arguments are when God speaks. We do know what God might say. And so Jonah gets this call. In fact, in the midst of all of this, God's speaking, Jonah, so let's, let's just assume that he's not a big re- rebel. Jonah simply goes, oh, I feel in my spirit God's calling me to Tarshish. God wants me to go to Tarshish. And he mentions it and some of his friends go, great, go to Tarshish. That's where, now Tarshish is the opposite direction of Nineveh. You can look at the map, Nineveh is to the east, Tarshish, yeah. yeah Nineveh is to the east, <laughs> Tarshish is to the west, so he decides, the Lord's calling to Tarshish he goes down to Joppa, to the port and hey, it just so happens he finds a boat and it's going to Tarshish, he says, oh the Lord is opening up this direction for me, I'm going to go to Tarshish where I'm going to, I'm going to be a prophet he gets on the boat, the Lord gives him rest he sleeps, oh wonder what a wonderful moment Jonah is obeying the word of the Lord but God had called him to into Nineveh and do you know what I think? I think Jonah got all of that bit. He understands the voice of God. It says he was running from the presence of the Lord. In those days, for them, the presence of the Lord would have been situated within the tabernacle. It would have been situated within the within the sort of the tent. It was in the ark. It was in a particular place. It wasn't like we think about it now, where we see the presence everywhere. So this idea of running from the presence of the Lord to us is like. God's everywhere. Yeah, Jonah was going from the place where they heard from God. He was moving away from that place. He's having a deep sleep. Maybe he's thinking he's having restful dreams. And probably he did not know this. Disobedience provokes God. So he's gone off. Yeah, he's clearly thinking I can just go off. Yeah, God <laughs> told me to go somewhere. He's clearly thinking I can go and do my thing.
1: Yeah, he must be, because he's
0: not finished. He's clearly thinking, that's okay. He doesn't know. Disobedience provokes God, and he comes after you. Because that's what happens. Jonah goes, he's sleeping on the boat, just resting his eyelids after his big, successful, prophetic work in Israel. He's there on the boat, he's in a deep sleep. So he doesn't even know that it's all rocking and rolling. He doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, And why would he worry, anyway... Because his God is the God of the land and the sea. He knows the God who does all of this stuff. So he's there, he flees from the Lord, he gets on the boat, but God is after him. God is not going to let him get away with that. Now you might be thinking, what's that got to do with kindness? Well you'll see. Because that doesn't sound very good. Why doesn't God just let him go? Why doesn't God just bless him in Tarshish? Why does God want him to come back to Nineveh? So he goes off and the boat goes through all that stuff and then the captain of the ship comes down and maybe he wasn't expecting but he sees a man sleeping while they're trying to save the boat and he's like, what are you doing? We're about to die and you're resting? So Jonah gets up, maybe he now feels a little bit awkward. He's wondering, oh, what's going on? In fact, maybe deep in his heart he's not surprised That there's a storm. hmm. (laughs) If I did the right thing, I wonder quite where I am. Maybe he's a little bit surprised. They're throwing cargo out. It says they're crying to their gods, but we know, don't we? But there's only really one God. You can cry to whoever you like, but unless you cry to the living God who created the land and the sea, it doesn't make any difference. Yeah? So they're doing their thing, maybe they're doing their superstitious stuff, whatever. They're crying to God, nothing's happening, they're all afraid and they pull Jonah out. And so Jonah finds himself in a position where hopefully it won't happen to us, but his sins are about to find him out. His disobedience to God is about to come out. He thought he was safe. He had run. He had got on a ship. He was going in the opposite direction. He was in the hole of the boat. The last thing he expected was God to fish him out there. But God finds him out. And they say to him, get up. Call on your God. I mean, he must have felt a little bit embarrassed at that point, knowing who his God was knowing what his God was like. (coughs) But these men are panicking. Call on your God, whoever he might be. The sailors then cast lots, and it falls on Jonah. So Jonah may well have been reminded at this point that of that truth that sort of David speaks about (coughs) in the Psalms. Where can I go from your (laughs) presence? if I go to the heights, you're there if I go to the depths, you're there and Jonah's like, Ah, he's everywhere (laughs) I haven't quite realised how everywhere he is but he's everywhere so Jonah then has to face up they ask him lots of questions where are you from Jonah? what's it all about? what's happened? You said you were fleeing from the presence of the Lord, but what is this? And then Jonah acknowledges, "I am a Hebrew." Remember, he's an Israelite. Yeah, he is a he is an Israelite of Israelites. I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord. Uh, yeah, no, not. No, not just. I worship the God who created all this. <gasps> what have you done? What have you done that He would do this to us? Who is this Lord? You see, Jonah's trying to run from God and he realizes he can't do it. But in his running and God's pursuing of him, he's put other people at this point in danger. He's made it difficult for them. They are fearful. (coughs) And so then they ask, as all people do, this is in the heart of all people. How do we appease this God? If you think about the way people live, even today, we're always looking to appease God or something. I'm touching wood. I'm doing something. I'm doing something to... appease. Ha- how do I get help? How do I appease God? We say, How do we appease this God who's done all this to us? How do we appease him? And it's really interesting what happens. He says he's now faced up, yeah, I think I've brought this upon you. Uh, what should we do? Throw me into the sea and it will become calm because I know it's my fault that this has happened. So Jonah begins really to be repentant about what he's done but it's really interesting how they respond yeah. because Jonah's saying do you know what, to appease this God there needs to be some kind of sacrifice you need to throw me into the sea yeah. because the God that I worship is the God of the land and the sea but I also know he's the God of life and death yeah, Jonah knows that. So throw me into the sea. It's really interesting, their response. The men did their best to row back to land. Yeah. Why is that interesting? Because often when we try to appease God, we do our very best. Yeah? At Whatever it is, we do our best. We try our best. We, we give it everything we can. We really, really, really focus on something because we're trying to appease God. We think in the end our efforts make a difference. And I don't want to not. Please, please don't mishear me when I, when I say this. Oh, I mean, it's rubbish enough. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But I am saying that in reality, the only thing that was going to appease God was for Jonah to be thrown into the sea. Their efforts were not going to do it. No matter how much they worked, no matter how laudable they were, their efforts in the end were not going to bring about the result that they wanted. If they wanted to appease God, they needed to do what God had said. So I don't the sea. If you want to appease God, do what God has said. Yeah? Making more effort doesn't actually make a difference. Obedience appeases God. So instead, they try and grow <coughs> rowing back to land. I mean, it is really laudable that they would do that. They're showing more righteousness than Jonah had at this point. They're trying to row back to land but they can't get very far because the sea just grows even wilder. And then it's really interesting, isn't it? Because in a a few earlier verses, it says that they all prayed to their own gods. Yeah? So when the sea gets wild, they're all beginning to pray to their own gods. And then in verse 14 it says this, they then cried out to the Lord. They then cried out to the Lord. So, if ever there was an example of people are praying and crying out and everything, they're calling out, then they were in a moment of real difficulty. They understand a little. All they understand is that Jonah worships the Lord of the land and the sea. They then cry out to the Lord. They then come to the place where they can get real help. And they say, and up until this point, these men didn't even know that there was a Lord. They didn't know there was a God over the land and the sea. They didn't know about that God. But now they do. And they cry out, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Don't let us die. This is an appeal. Please, God. We don't fully understand it all, but don't let us die because we're going to take this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing, as far as we're concerned, an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Talk about a turnaround. Talk about you jump on a boat as a sailor and you're you're a pagan and you worship whatever you worship and by the end of your journey you worship the Lord who is God. Imagine people coming to that kind of turnaround they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and they're thinking Jonah's dead this man has sacrificed his life for us that's what they're thinking and what do they do they don't then worship Jonah they greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him know so, what well, that bit there is a sign of the kindness of God. God didn't want Jonah to go off to Tarshish. It wasn't that God had planned that. But in his doing that, God in his mercy and grace reaches some people. But that doesn't justify what Jonah did. We're not saying that, well, you know, okay, Jonah went disobedient, but actually in doing so, you know, people were saved. And uh, No, that doesn't justify it. God is just gracious. God is gracious. And God, all things work together for good for those who love God. And Jonah did love God. He may have been disobedient, but he did love God. And in bringing him back, God brings to himself men who would never have thought about him, but now Him. It's the kindness of God. It's a really simple thing that I'm going to pull out. Really simple. And the first is related to the call of God. Because I know for Christians like us, our kind of background, you know, evangelical, charismatic, this kind of thing. Call of God is really important. What's God telling me to do? Where is God telling me to go? How do I hear that? And I just want to say this before you decide, you must come but you must come to the word. You don't, you don't just make up your own mind about how it works in order that it fits around what you really want to do. Because Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. God's call is not necessarily related to what you like or what you're passionate about. Now I know you're thinking, you're you're on dodgy ground here. We have grown up to believe (coughs) that God puts things in us that we're to do. I'm not saying he doesn't do that. But if you take the story of Jonah, he doesn't do that. Now we can't take the story as gospel in every situation, but we can say of this story, Jonah neither liked or was passionate about Nineveh. Yeah? He wasn't. He didn't. He did not want to go. Not only did he not want to go, he doesn't go. Yeah? So he clearly hears the voice of God and he decides, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do this and I'm going to do that. He, He decides to do that, but God called him anyway. And God, in his kindness, runs after Jonah and arrests him and speaks to him and draws him back. So God's call is not necessarily related to what you like, what you're passionate about. So you need to go to yourself. Okay, okay, Father, you put all these things in me. Okay, if that is true, help me. How do I understand where you want me to go yeah. in order to really understand the call of God upon your life you need to spend time praying about the call of God on your life and you need to be able to do that by putting aside what you think the dream is what you think the thing is you need to go, no, ok God, I'll put that aside and I'm coming to you and saying what is it you've got for me there needs to be an openness because God I always thought the fact that I was passionate about that meant that's what you want me to do and it may well be what you wanted to do but God is after more than just your passion he's after everything he's trying to arrest everything in you secondly God is provoked by disobedience and I sort of feel a bit awkward saying that but I think it's true he's provoked by disobedience when God says to Jonah go here and Jonah goes there that provoked a reaction in God God sent the storm not to kill Jonah but to win him back he's provoked by disobedience and then that disobedience led to the whole situation with the men and, and the boat and it required a sacrifice In order to appease God, there needed to be a sacrifice. And you'll know that this story is reminding us of another story that we know that required a sacrifice. It goes on. God is in the business of saving people. God saves people. He didn't leave the sailors and that they walked away and thought, what was all that about? And by the end of the encounter they knew the living God they made vows to him what were their vows oh yeah I will trust you all the days of my life I've just noticed you are one amazing God I'm going to worship I'm going to follow you what would you have us do they trusted the Lord God is in the business of saving people and fourthly Though Jonah is disobedient, he is still God's servant, and he still loves God, and he still knows God, and he is still closer to God than these saints. He understands something of God that they don't yet understand. It's interesting when you read chapter 1, the one person who has no fear is Jonah. He's not fearful. I worship the Lord, who is God of a man down the sea. He knows God. This is a prophet of Israel. This man knows what it is to walk with God. So, though he is disobedient, he loves God. He knows God. He walks with God. And as I said at the beginning, we can be more like Jonah than we want to be but God is kinder than you God comes to you God accepts you God chasing after you isn't that amazing God would come after you God would pursue you and he's not pursuing you to make you look bad he's pursuing you that you might fulfill his purpose for your life that's why he does And that we are not just to be recipients of his kindness but actually we are to be instruments of his kindness towards others. That's part of what the story of Jonah tells us. I don't just receive his mercy and his kindness and his grace. I become a recipient of it towards others. I become an instrument towards others. I help other people receive his mercy and his grace. And for everyone who knows the Lord and you know people who don't know the Lord that's what you're there to do. So before we pray, I, just, I was talking to, um, uh, uh, to Rihanna, my daughter called me last night. They, I mean, she called me because she's kind of waking up and I'm going to sleep. <laughs> um, and she was like, ah, you know, in effect, what she was saying was, Dad, I need you to pray for me because all my friends, and, and she's at University at O'Neill Raskin in Cambridge. Um, most of her friends, it's really clear are, don't go to church, they're not Christian, and some of them are like oh, what's God about? Explain. They're like, really do not know God. Um, and she clearly, in their eyes doesn't appear to be like a Christian. Now she is a Christian. Um, but she doesn't appear that way. She doesn't respond that way. She doesn't act that way. And so do you know what it's done? It has intrigued them. And she said, Dad, They're all asking to come to church. (laughs) All my friends. And she said, you know what, Dad, I've I've been wrong. I haven't taken them. I haven't taken them yet to church. I'm not so sure about about this, but they're all asking that. They're all wanting to come. And now, Dad, I'm in this place where three of them want to come tomorrow. (laughs) And I was like. I would have thought that would be a good thing. Yeah. But for her it's like, Oh man, Dad, you know, if you know this jet. I'm not sure. I don't know how it's gonna work and they all wanna come and I'm like oh. and I'm like, Wow. Yeah, how many of us would love that? Oh, they all wanna come to jet. Oh bring them, it's fine, it's fine. So she's like she's in this quandary. For her it's a real quandary. How do I bring them all? I might be a little bit embarrassed, how do I do it? And and all we concluded because I do not have any great wisdom. I was like, oh well, yeah, uh, nodding <laughs> off. <laughs> and, um, I just said, I just said, you just need to pray, and you just need to trust God with your friends. Don't, don't worry about the church. Don't worry about whether you think it's the kind of place that would receive. Just trust God with your friends. Trust God with your friends. And I also thought that is amazing. That is amazing, and she's told me this before. They all want to come to church. They're all phoning me out and, and texting me, and they all want to come to church. And she like, oh, "I don't know what to do, that What do I do about it?" Because God wants to use the animal and us as instruments of His kindness to other people. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. That's a big thing for us. God wants to use you an instrument of kindness to people who don't value. it. And do you know what, when I think about Barry remember we don't know whether Barry ever came to faith ever prayed a prayer of commitment to Jesus, we don't know whether he acknowledged God, certainly if you heard what he said he did not do that and he was like yeah i have come to church mm. so he was not up for God or anything like that but you know what he received every day of his life for two years was the kindness of God. Mm you were so kind to me. You were so kind to me. I mean, h- how do you do that? How do you do that, God? This guy doesn't want to know you. He likes the singing, but he doesn't want to know you. And yet you continue, and you were so kind to him. You were so gracious to him. Why? Because God is in the business of saving people and he uses the likes of us to do that. He does. He's he using us. Okay, we're going to finish by quarter past but what I want us to do and I apologise but what I want us to do is I do want us to spend a short amount of time uh, praying um, not planning, not doing a, a, a response but I want us to get into groups and you know what we've done before where we, we pray for one another and we encourage that, that, that sense of the prophetic of speaking into our lives to encourage to strengthen and to comfort us I want us just to spend a few moments Doing that, because some of you might think, "Yeah, do you know what? I've sent this call and I don't fully understand it, <coughs> and you've just thrown me up again. Yeah, you've just made it all awkward again. I haven't meant to do that. Apologies for that. Um, but I do want us to get together, and some of us are facing situations, challenges, future, all these kinds of things, and I want us to have an opportunity just to pray. So. For a few moments, if we don't have long. Why don't we turn into groups? And there might be something that's st- st- stood out for you. Twos and threes, no more than two or three, um, because you're going to you're going to pray and, and potentially bring something over somebody. Um, and it's purely to encourage, to encourage, to strengthen, and to comfort. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.